on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. A lot of people don't know how great TV is. They think it's old. They think it's branding. When in reality, if you do it right, you can get returns pretty quickly. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine-figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, I've got Tony Javier on the King stage. My brother, Tony, how we doing? What's up, Mr. Chaz? Good to see you, man. Yeah, man. We were just chatting offline. We've got some Midwest roots between the two of us. And so I think we'll have just a a good old Midwest conversation here today. But uh, you're doing big things in a lot of different areas, and I can't wait to get to some of that. Tell us what kind of business, or in this case, businesses that you've got, brother. Yeah, so I started a little over 20 years ago in the real estate investing realm. I bought an info product on TV, no down payment, a no down payment system by Carlton Sheets. A lot of you guys have probably heard wow. that. I've heard about that. If you're old enough, I've got some clients that that are pretty young that are like, what is that? I don't know what that is. So, right. But yeah, he back in the 70s or 80s, I think is when he started. And then I think he he passed away about three years ago, but I think he kind of faded out early 2000s. But any which way, about a $200 info product on TV while I was I was waiting tables and in college. So I ended up dropping out of college with nine hours left wow. to graduate, which my mom still gives me grief for, but it is That's what right. it is 20 years <laughs> later. And so over the last 20 years, I'm just a uh, born entrepreneur, always, cra- always had crazy ideas. And over the years, uh, some co-working space now, we do... In the, in the real estate business, we do flips, we do rentals. Now we run TV commercials for real estate investors all over the country, as well as other industries. So I was able to start TV commercials over 10 years ago for my business, which was not something that people did for real estate investing. Right. So I was able to crack the code on that. And now now we we service all industries. I think I mentioned co-working space a little bit. And I just love to play pickleball and fly, man. It's just... it's. One of those things where you get you get you get a certain place in business, you want to kind of reap the rewards. And I I yeah. grinded and hustled for for many, many years, which I can probably get into and, and give you guys some learning lessons. But yeah. so yeah, I've done a lot of different things. And uh right. it's that's been a long good journey. And for those who are looking to get into business, it's people look at it as fun, which it can be, but it's also challenging, but it really makes you makes you strong and you learn a lot. So that's yeah. kind of the short and skinny of my back. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. We're gonna dive into a little bit more of that, but you know, it's interesting that so many different dynamics happening all at once. And But I loved how you said it didn't happen all at once. It's happening all at once now, but you've built it over the course of time. So I think that's important for, especially some of the newer entrepreneurs that might be listening. I think that we all get a little shiny object syndrome. And sometimes that you hear a guy like Tony talk about all these things he's got going on. And we think that that's, that's, the, that's the, the right flow. But definitely want to get into some of this because you've got, you've got some incredible... I love how actually your story started with you buying an infomercial and then now you sell TV. I know, well, right? That, that full circle. So that's pretty unique and, and fun, but it's an industry that we haven't actually had on here on the show. We've lots of real estate, lots of investors, some pretty big guys, but you're the only one doing TV. So I definitely want to dive into that. Before we do, I want to know your why. Like deep-seated, you already kind of gave us a little bit that you're reaping some of the rewards and and living some of the 
the better lifestyle, but you're still at it. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be here. So what's the bigger picture for you? Yeah, it's a great question. So I think most entrepreneurs, when they start out, their why is kind of like, has something to do around money and success, right? I, I'm sure you've been there at some point or, and some people still are 20 years later, but uh, money's great. Money, success is great and all that. Yeah. But uh, it, it's changed over time. And I think it's still, it's going to continue to change. In the beginning, it was making money. What could I achieve? What success I could have? All that good right. stuff. Now for me, <clears throat> I think it's, I think it's leverage. I think it's being able to do as much as humanly possible, make an impact on employees, investors, clients, the world in general with having to do as little as possible, if that makes sense, right? I mentioned to you that I automated my real estate investing business seven years ago so I could move to, to San Diego. And uh, I just kept creating jobs for myself. myself. I, I automated one business, then I'd start another business, create another job, then automate that one. And I'm kind of at the point where I do have one business right now that's taking a lot of time of mine. But the, the fact is, is that I love, I love the leverage points. I mentioned pickleball and flying, like literally like this afternoon, I'm probably just going to take off and go play pickleball. Whereas the old me would have been grinding until six, seven, eight o'clock at night to try and achieve and, and get as much done as humanly possible. Right. But actually what I found through that is that when you, when you take that time off, just like you talk, we talked about, we're both going out of town tomorrow. Right. You fit, you only have a certain amount of time to do something. You're going to figure out how to do it or you, or maybe you don't do it. And it's obviously not that important if you don't. Right. So I guess the short answer is just, I guess, fulfillment with, yeah. with not having to, I guess, try so hard. Yeah. I used to, I used to feel like I had to try so hard to make things happen. And granted, I'm 20 years in, so I've got some momentum and I've got people right. in place and all that kind of stuff to, to, to keep me going. But going back 20 years ago, I would do things way differently and I'd figure out how to do them smarter, yeah. do them with more resources and just do it with a lot less effort. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what leverage is, right? Like you, you mentioned the word, as soon as you said the word, I think that anybody listening here today that has a big business or that has had any level of success understands that word because it's not just the fact that it's easier. Well, of course it's easier. <laughs> it's it's literal leverage. Like you're you're doing something that's lifting a whole bunch more weight and it's easier. So it's like this both sides of the scale. I do so much more and it didn't take as much effort. And so it's like this actually this weird place to be for a minute until you can kind of get settled in to that this is the new normal. I'm curious for you being 20 years in, was there a a point or a, a leverage point where you recognize that like okay, I'm doing things differently now. I, I, I put in this amount of effort. It's a different type of effort, which we maybe we can get to, but I put in this type of effort and I actually get 10 times the, the reward. I'm going to start doing it more like that. When was that moment? That's a great question. So 10 years in, about nine or 10 years in, I kind of hit a breaking point. I, I, I didn't really ask for a lot of help. I just kind of put my nose down and just grinded. That's just kind of the way I did things. I'd wake up at sometimes four or five o'clock in the morning, start working and work until nine, 10 o'clock at night. I mean, I just had those days and those weeks and uh, I kind of hit a point where within 30 days I had to fire my whole staff. And part of that was me not being a great leader. Part of it was hiring the wrong people. But sure. I mean, when you have people that are stealing from you and yeah. I, I think all four and let's see, three, three out of the four, maybe all four were living in my houses at the time. So imagine having to fire your whole staff, take back all of that work that would, that they were doing 
and your then you have to go and evict them and then they threaten to sue you because of whatever reasons and it's like oh my gosh so i just i hit a like it was probably one of the toughest six months of of my life just because i went from having this success and and feel like i'm going here to feel like i'm crashing yeah and it happens it's going to happen it may happen again i don't know but i realized that I was just doing doing things wrong. I think that was the biggest leverage point was I was hiring the wrong people, working way too hard. And so I went to my sister. By the way, I have seven sisters. Wow. So I, so I went to the so I went to the and one. You're the only brother? I'm the only one, man. <laughs> only one. Yeah. Yeah. Which which, you know, it, it sucked growing up, but that's actually part of my success, I think, is that I I didn't feel like I was really seen because I had seven sisters and I just had to stick out, right? So but that's a whole nother story. So so yeah, so so I went to the one that I thought could really just take a, a handle on my business and and help me out. So yeah. she'd run she'd run her the business she worked for for about, I think, twelve years. Okay. She was basically the hub of everything. And I knew I knew how she operated i mean she was just no bullshit got stuff done very detailed must have been the oldest no actually okay okay i think right in the pretty close to the middle yeah all right and so so anyway so i met her for lunch and i was like she could tell i was beat down and i was like i've kind of talked about you maybe coming to work for me what do you think if you came and worked for me and i'd had had to pay twice as much as anybody else i'd paid before yeah and uh, i told her my goals and i said here's what i'm looking to do and she, goes, she looked at me in the eye and she's like, I can make that happen. Wow. And I was like, I could see the confidence in her eyes. And I'm like, I need all right, that. let's go. <laughs> let's go. So here we are 11, 12 years later. And she runs my, my flipping operation. She helps with some of the other businesses I have. She's the key point that's helped me to be able to move here to, to San Diego. Dream to, to live here and, and be yeah. able to invest in other places. And so that was kind of the turning point. And, you know, if you told me, Back when I was going through all that, like this is one of the best things that's ever going to happen to you. You're right. I'd have been like, "What are you talking about? How? Like this sucks. This really yeah. sucks." But it was. It was one of those turning points that I'll never forget, and it made me stronger. And it and it forced me to make better decisions. I think when people get kind of in that medium point, I think Tony Robbins. What does he call it? The uh, I don't think I think he calls it no man's lands. When you have success, it's great. When you have failures so you figure out how to how to work that but when you're in the middle and you're too comfortable that's kind of when you're when when good stuff isn't happening for you you're just a little too yeah. comfortable so i think a lot of people kind of ride that and don't try not to to take too many risks and that kind of thing and they just don't grow as much so so yeah so that's one one of the uh, turning points of really my my life but but definitely my business for sure yeah i i loved how you you gave that depiction of not only just your sister but but really it could be anybody <laughs> it could have been a friend it could have been someone you hired the leverage point was you thinking different. Number one, being willing to ask for help. That's what I heard you say first. You didn't say that, but that's what I heard you say that you hadn't been able to do before. Number two, you were willing to at least entertain the conversation around paying somebody who was a professional. Most likely the people that you had to let go before were just generalists. They weren't specialists. They weren't somebody who you could go, you know what? Here's exactly what you're going to do. In fact, she was looking at you in the eyes going, I can do that. And when you sit across the table from that person, the pocketbook gets a little scared, <laughs> but it should get you fired up. And so I heard you say all that. And then, of course, it ties back to a few minutes ago. You said the word automated. You said you automated your business. And a lot of people think immediately, you know, that you put some system in place, some software, and I'm sure there's plenty of those that you use. But really what you just said is that you found a key role. You hired well. And of course, I'm sure she's built now a team around herself even that has 
automated that business. Would you like to speak to that? Yeah. So like I said, I worked 60 to 80 hour weeks pretty consistently and I did okay. I made good money. But if I look at the money I made then to the money I make now and the hours I worked then and the hours I work now, I mean, my, my dollar per hour is like ridiculous because I only work about an hour a week on my real estate investing business now. It's that automated. All I do is I look at financials once a week. I glance at them. I approve contracts. I approve. I might work two to three hours sometimes if I need to schedule a meeting with my sister and just go over a bunch of stuff. Like maybe we're having some issues with some some things. Yeah. So going from you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks to working three hours a week, making more money, it substantially increases your, your output per hour right. leverage again. And I'm sorry, what was your question again? No, you're good. I was just lost in your answer there. I'm not even sure if I'm, I'm going to remember myself. Oh, automation. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the automation of humans really is what it is. You used, you used people to automate. Yeah, it's, it's multiple things. It's, it's definitely the right people. So, I mean, and I'm not perfect. Like I, I had to let go of two people in the last 30 to 45 days. That's real. That's Luckily, real. it's not two people out of four this time. It's two people out of 15. But so it's, it doesn't hurt as much, but I kind of got rid of the, the weaker links and I made a really, really good hire uh, two weeks ago. Um, and she's been, I've known her for, for a few years now. It's kind of the same story. Friend, she's, I was friends with her family. So I'd met her many times, worked for another business for 20 years, just perfect opportunity and brought her on board. And she's light years ahead of, like basically me hiring her replaced the two people that were weaker. At least, you know what I mean? Just easily. So people is definitely a big leverage point. I used to spend too little on people. I would I was like, man, if you if I could get someone at ten to twelve bucks an hour, I'm hiring them. I I just thought cheap, 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 uh, and didn't realize that the the more you pay, typically the 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 more you get back. And then systems, people talk about it's kind of cliche systems, but I have really good systems because when I get, I was actually on a, a mastermind call with some real estate clients of mine, and I showed them my system behind how I approve deals. And I showed it to them, and they're like, well, well, how do you know? Like they were just drilling me about this and that. And, and I told him, I said, I've got a team. I, they run the numbers really well. I don't know about any properties until they put them under contract. I'll get an email that says, here's where the property came from, the lead source. Right. Here's the, the deal analyzer. Here's the comps if you want to look at them. Here are the pictures. And within five minutes, I can tell whether that's a deal or not. And in nine, 90, I've only disapproved maybe one deal in the past out of hundreds of deals in the last seven years since I've been out of that role. And so creating good systems around good people. And when you get good people in place, they create the systems for you too. So it's not just you having to create the systems and then having the people operate it. Good people are going to bring good systems or or help with good systems. So yeah, I think those are the two, two big leverage points is getting good people in place and either you creating the systems for them, with them, or having them create them. And when they create them, it's even better because- yeah. You don't have to do the work as much and they buy into it more because if they're the ones that created the system and they're working it, then they feel like yeah. they've got ownership. Yeah. I want to ask you a little bit more on that. It's funny. We're, we're in like one of the four like main veins of, of what Gathering the Kings exists for is leverage, number one, but inside of the different leverage points, time, you have to buy your time. How you buy your time is building teams and creating systems and process. And so I love, I love this lane. The, what you were just talking about as far as hiring somebody and then them creating the system for you. My question for you is if the listeners hearing you right now and they're like, okay, I'll go find an A player. They'll create all the systems for me. We know that this is probably not how it's going to happen. How do you know that this person is good enough or that they, they're the right one to create the system? 
You know what I mean? Because you got a lot of people who will raise their hand and go, oh, but then they create a mess and you're like, ah, I gotta, I gotta fix it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, so the, the two that I just let go, one of them, I don't want to say had a perfect resume, but like they, they had the experience I needed. They had the personality. They had the right answers. They, and, and, and hiring for sales is the toughest thing yeah, because usually persuaders, people, man. Perfect at talking you into that they can uh -huh. do X Y Z. That's right. When they get into it, it's like, can they perform? You just don't know until you until you get in there. So there's a lot of things you can do to figure out if it's the right person. For me, there's there's a few things I look at. One is longevity at other businesses. Anybody that I've hired that has over ten years with one company, and it's even five years, like that's a long time. Think about it. if someone dedicated five years to a company. That means that they had the dedication to stay there for five years. And that means that their employer wanted them there for five years, unless yeah. they just did did what a lot of people do and kind of let things go. But ch chances are, I mean, five years, they're, they're doing something right. right. 10 years, that's, you don't, I mean, that's like less than 1% of people I bet have worked for the same business for 10 years. So when I get a resume and I see longevity, that's one big thing to me. Another thing is culture fit. Like when you talk to someone, you usually can tell if they're going to flow well with your business. Sure. And having your employees interview that person is going to tell as well. Because someone might go, you know what? I just don't feel a good vibe. Something maybe I didn't feel. Or someone may say, you know what? This person said something that just doesn't jive with our with with how we work. So hiring for the culture is big because if you have one person, like one of the people I let go, they they had a pretty decent resume. They had pretty good energy, but when it came down to it, they weren't a culture fit. And we didn't under we didn't understand it until they got in got into the business because then they started pointing fingers at people. And my team, they're they're all about teamwork. And so when you have someone coming in saying, "Well, it's your fault," and, I, and it's like, dude, that's that guy sticks out like a sore thumb. And it just it, I let it go a little too long because he was working on some big projects for us, and and it, it ended up working out because we found the other hire that I just mentioned. Um. And I could go on and on about the things you look for. You can check references and dig deep into there. You'll obviously do background checks and all that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, you really don't know until until you get them in there and they start working. And they there's there's a saying that says, hire slowly and fire quickly. Right. So if you can tell that someone is not a good fit for the role, no matter what kind of responsibilities they have. I probably could have done it a month or two earlier for one of, for one of those one of those fires, but just it is what it is. But uh, fire fire hire slowly and fire quickly means take your time, make sure you have the right person, and if they become not the right person quick quickly in your business and they show you who they are pretty quickly, just listen to your instinct in the beginning. I've I've like I said when when I fired those four people, I I probably had them on way too long, way too long. I let things go. I've they were showing up late and not performing. And it's just, I, I was still pretty young in my career. So I didn't really, really know, know better. But now, now I see the signs and, and know better. And your business is your baby. And if someone's not coming in and doing what, what they need to, don't feel bad for letting them go. Because if they're not thriving in your organization, then if you're keeping them around, yeah, they're getting a paycheck, but they're still not thriving either. You're not thriving. They're not thriving. And nobody's winning in that situation. Yeah, I agree with you completely. I want to ask you about some good and bad decisions here. It's kind of the the MS of the show. You've already mentioned hiring your sister kind of was like a, like a huge leverage point. But I want to know of a specific, maybe or even practical decision that you made inside the business, or maybe even one that she's made, interesting, because you've given her that autonomy, that you can look back on. And you go, okay, that one thing right there, 
we would do that over and over and over again because it's 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 good. What is yeah, that? that's a great question. So I can't remember if it was before we hit record or after, but I started doing that I mentioned TV commercials and I started I started doing TV commercials for my business about 11 years ago. I ended up meeting a guy at a poker game that was on TV. This is how right. it started. And I was like, oh, that's his name's Chad. And I was like, oh, dude, that's Chad from TV. So I kind of started talking to him and Make your way. it's like, man, how, how are your commercials doing for you? And he's like, dude, I do, we do millions of dollars a year from TV. Wow. And I'm like, really? That's interesting. He's like, yeah, that's the only marketing we do. And I was like, oh, that's cool. So I just started asking him questions. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you talk to my guy, Drew? He's the one that got me on TV. And he can, he can tell you all about it. So I called Drew and I was like, Hey, Drew, Chad told me that uh, you're the guy, you're the TV guy. So t tell me about it. He's like, well, tell me about your business. He goes, let me do this. He goes, let me go to the stations. I'm going to negotiate some rates for you. I'm going to put together a budget. I'll bring it back to you. If you like it, let's do TV together. And if not, then totally understand. Yeah. So it comes back to me and it's like, it's a lot cheaper than I thought it was going to be. Wow. And so I was like, let's give it a shot. I'm, I'm, I'm worth get, I'm worth throwing things against the wall, seeing if they're going to stick. So I created the scripts. We went into this, we went in and shot the commercial together. He kind of coached me through it. Within 30 days, I was on TV, became a celebrity in my market, 10 x my money in the first month, wow. which pretty much paid for my whole year. And then I was off and running from there. And then the crucial decision I made was three years ago, you know, over the years, people are like, why don't you show people what you're doing? Why don't you show real estate investors your formula, what you're doing, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And there's barely anybody doing TV in the country over the last 10 years. And so a few years ago, again, someone talked me into it. So I went to my guy, Drew, and I said, hey, you got me on TV. At that point, it was eight years ago. I said, if I were to show people what I'm doing, show them my commercials, my scripts that I've tested, we've tweaked all kinds of different things to kind of perfect what we do. Right. I said, if I marketed it and showed real estate investors what I'm doing and create a program around it, would you do the fulfillment? Would you negotiate with the stations like you did for me? Would you do the production, all that kind of stuff? Yeah. He's like, yeah, let's give it a shot. So we did a we did a test launch. I called, I think, ten real estate investors that I knew that were doing a decent volume, and and eight of them said yes that we could do a test launch with them. And they started getting similar results that I did. That they, they wow. in the first month they were just crushing it. So so we scaled it up, and now we're we have over a hundred real estate investors running TV commercials with us. Wow. We're we're doing real estate agent commercials now. We're getting into other businesses as well because my. My guy, Drew, that does TV commercials, he's been doing it 25 plus years. Yeah. And yep. so talk about leverage. Yeah. I'm able to market it and show people how great TV is because a lot of people don't know how great TV is. They think yeah. it's old. They old. think it's branding. Yeah. When, in, when in reality, if you do it right, you can get returns pretty quickly. Wow. And then he does all the fulfillment. He does all the back end. He, I do what I do well, which is marketing and relationships and all of that. And then he does the fulfillment, which he's great at. He's been doing TV for 25 plus years. His his sidekick, Heather, who is the, fulfills all, helps the, with fulfillment. She's been with him 15 plus years. Yeah. So literally when I pass a client off to them and I say, you know, do your magic. Yeah. It's kind of like when I have to do with my sister in my real estate investing business. I know it's done. Yeah. I know it's done. I know it's done right. Is it perfect? It's probably not. Yeah. But. I don't have any complaints. I don't have anybody complaining about my sister when she's doing her job. I don't have any complaints about my media company that does the fulfillment. That that right there is true leverage. And that kind of goes full circle with leveraging Tina for, Tina's my sister for my real estate investing business. And then being able to find Drew and his company and then being able to leverage them 
yeah. by creating another business around it, which is 10X TV, which you can see the, the logo on the hat behind me there and creating 10X TV where, you know, we, we get people in front of 10 times, 10 times more people, 10 times faster with 10 times more credibility than any other marketing channel. So that's, that's why we call it 10X TV. I love it, man. I think that you're, you're, I mean, we're just cut from the same cloth when it comes to the word leverage and you're just giving us such great examples. One of the other main key areas, leveraging key relationships. And you've given us just some great examples of this. And this is often how it happens too. So I just really want to encourage the listener to like kind of go a little, maybe a layer or two deeper into your story here. What he, what Tony said was that he did something for himself. He took a risk, he took a chance and that worked out. Okay, cool. But then it turned into something that he could then make bigger for himself, of course, but really it was actually him helping other people because of a specific relationship because of a chance that he took at some poker game is like, hey, I kind of maybe know that guy. And like, me, let me go talk to that guy. It all stems from a key relationship, period. I almost guarantee you both you and I could sit down and like reverse engineer everything back to a specific introduction. Mm -hmm. And a, a big reason why I do the show, man, it's like, I don't know who's going to be on the other side of the Zoom. I mean, I know like detail wise, because we, we do an interview, but like, I don't know what's going to come after this. Maybe I get on TV. I don't know. Yeah. My point is, is that it all starts with a key relationship. And when, when the listener, hopefully they're, they're picking up what we're laying down for them is that everything starts with a person and building value. And then of leveraging that relationship oftentimes um, can lead to just so many other things that you can't calculate right away. You can't say, I met this guy. And then in the next five years, I'm going to tick, 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 tick. It's like, it doesn't work like that with, with relationships. You just have to, you just have to go. You have to be kind of just trusting a little bit, add value, of course, and then let it unfold over the course of time. And sometimes you just, you just hit, would you agree with that? Yeah. You hit it right on the right nail right on the head. I mean, cause what's interesting is I talked to you about not getting help and all that kind of stuff because of what happened right. 10, little over 10 years ago, I started joining mastermind groups and, and getting right. entrenched in that and getting help. Well, I ended up starting my own mastermind and this guy, it, it, was, it was the weirdest thing. This guy called me out of the blue. Let's see, probably. What was it? 2016, 2017, might've been 18. I can't remember. But anyway, he would call me out of the blue. He's like, I heard you're the TV guy. He's like, I don't know anybody else doing TV throughout the country. Yeah. And he's like, I'm, I, they consider me kind of the radio guy. I cracked right. the code on radio. And so anyway, I didn't really think much of it. He called me out of the blue randomly. Then he called me again six months later and I was a good guy. I talked to him, shot the shit with him. Yeah. And he kept calling me like, and I was like, okay. And then, so anyway, so I started this mastermind yeah. online and I thought of him for some reason. I was like, Hey, Chris, what, you want to join our call? Like we're getting to know each other a little bit more. I feel like you're doing some good things. Yeah. Why don't you join? And he was the one that convinced me to do TV for other people. He's like, I'm doing it for, for, for radio. Why don't you do it for TV? Since he sold his business and, and it's a different story there, but any which way it was relationship. He created that relationship with me. I actually rewarded him really well because he helped me launch it. So I paid him to, to help me launch it. Yeah. It stemmed from relationship. You hit, you hit the nail right on the head. My sister, obviously I knew her from growing up and all that, but that's relationship. So yeah, really and the the event that I'm going to tomorrow speaking at is a relationship. They came from another relationship, they came from another relationship. So you never know when you're gonna meet someone that's gonna introduce you to someone that's gonna introduce you to someone. That's right. I'm I'm negotiating with one of the sharks for ownership in our company. In fact, I've got another call with the team this afternoon. Uh, and that came from a relationship. So you hit the nail right on the head. The more relationships you can create and 
like I told you, I didn't ask for help for the first 10 years. I didn't care about relationships. I'm like, I'm working. I'm going to work. That's and what right. I didn't realize, if I would have stopped, created some relationships, those relationships would have been leveraged for me not have to work so hard. Yeah, yeah. I think we could probably just drop the mic, wrap it up, <laughs> package it to the listeners in a, in a nice little bow. But but there's more to the story. So I can't let you off the hook yet because you haven't told us the bad decision. And so what what is that, Tony? Tony, you, you fumbled around, you, you lost some money, you, you, something happened to where we can stay clear of these bruises. What are they? I'll give you a great one. I start, so I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur by heart, right? So I've, I've, I, I've got some money sitting around. So I'm like, okay, I've done some lending. And someone actually came to me, I think it was like five years ago. And he's like, I've got, he's a hard money lender. Okay. He's like, hey, I've got some guys that, that need down payment money. Like they're experienced, they've got the credit, they've got great properties, but they just, they're cash strapped. Most people are. Yeah. And so I, so he's like, we, if you lend the money, take a second position, they will pay you a 20% fee to use your money for six months. So I did the math in my head. I'm like, that's 40% return. Right. And if they do it in three months, that's an 80% return, right? right? I'm like, all right, let's give it a shot. So lend to a couple of people. Actually, technically, I think I did like four or five deals just casually within two yeah. years. And then someone's like, wow, you're getting really good returns. Have you ever thought about creating a business out of that? And then my entrepreneur hat comes on and I'm like, no, let's do that. So we put a website up, we do all that kind of stuff. And I, and I made some huge mistakes. So we lent a lot of money to a lot of people. And one lady who came from a relationship, so relationships can, can be bad too, but that's right. That's right. She, she was a part of my virtual mastermind that I created. So I thought I knew her well. Yeah. And she said, Hey, I've got this house. It's gutted out. I need $80,000 to finish it. So I'm like, she's legit. Didn't do a background check. Didn't do a credit check. Wired her the 80 grand without doing any inspections, without doing any draws, just gave her all the money. I was like, it was kind of early in the lending thing. Sure. And then I find, and then three months later, she comes to me for another deal. She says, I can't get title work on this deal. And I was like, I was like, why? She, and she made it some kind of excuse. I said, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you have the, have them do a title search and tell me it's a free and clear, whatever, or they, there's only that one lien on the property. She's like, okay. So she goes to the title company send, and then she sends me a report directly. So I send it to the title company. I was like, why can you got, not get title insurance on this? Yeah. And she goes, what are you talking about? She's like, that's, and that's not the title work that I sent her. And so I went back to the other deal and I was like, I'll say her name because she's in jail now. Suzanne, I said, <laughs> what is this? And she started lying again. And I, and I, I, I remember this conversation specifically. I said, Suzanne, bullshit. And I just like called her out. Yeah. And then she fessed up. She's like, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. We ended up finding out she did this to a lot of other people. One person, she took half a million dollars of wiped out their whole retirement. And so she ended up going to jail. They last year is when she got sentenced. But anyway, so so that was just one deal. Yeah. Had another deal that was almost similar. This time I signed my name to the note because they needed a co-signer. Me, of course, saying, okay, let's let's do it and being aggressive. Well, because I'm a top-tier borrower with the lender, they would allow pictures to be sent over over to them without an inspection. And I didn't know that. I thought they were going out and inspecting the property. So 80, almost the exact same number is either 70 or $80,000 worth of draws later. She was taking pictures of parts of the property that were finished. She'd paint like the corner of a, a room and put little Ooh. carpet sections there. 
Yeah. And so after a while, I was like, I haven't seen pictures of the kitchen or bathrooms. Like, you've taken this much money. I was like, you need to send. And she kept not sending them. And I was like, I'm not giving you more money. <laughs> so come to find out, she drew. It was about $80,000 worth of draws and didn't do anything to the property. In fact, even the work that she did, she messed up. So we, we had to redo. So we just sold that property. It took us a year and a half to find contractors to get the property done. Anyway, I've got stories and stories and stories, yeah. but you know. So, so the takeaways there are our due diligence, credit <clears throat> check, relationships, like even though they're good, but like double check, like what else would you add to that list? So I think, I think the biggest thing there is, like I said, sometimes I throw things against the wall and see if they'll stick. And sometimes that's not the greatest when there's a lot of money at stake. Yeah. So what I did, what I did wrong is I, I'm really good at creating systems and processes, but usually it's along the way. Mm. This one, if I would have stepped back and said, okay, here's our box. Here is, are the people that we should qualify. Here are the properties we should qualify and have that. Yep. That right there would have been a game changer because some of these people are newer investors. Yeah. Some of the price points were higher than I probably should have done. And it was a strong market when we were doing these. So I'm like, if the market dips, it's going to be a while. So the properties are going to continue to go up in value. Well, that that was true and correct if they would have gotten the property done in three to six months. But when you right. go a year, year and a half, things yeah, can change. So the market shifted last year. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think just lending to the wrong people, potentially the wrong properties. And I just got super aggressive and I let my ego get, 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 get a hold of me a little bit where I'm like, you know what, I'll figure it out. Well, we'll get aggressive with these deals. We'll be able to take over the properties and rehab them if we need to right. now. And it was a little bit careless. And so it was a big learning lesson. I, I realized that that was the opposite of leverage because 95% of my issues were coming from that one business, nothing else. So looking back, had I not created that business, I mean, I would have hundreds of hours back of my time just just trying to clean that stuff up. But again, it's a learning lesson. It's not like at this point, you kind of call it tuition. It's like, yeah. you know what? The next business that I that I really get ramped up, I learned something from that last business that hopefully come back exponentially in return in the future. Yeah, that's good. How do you take these leverage points as you're calling them or even just new mindset around I learned this and I can put it in the, to the future. <clears throat> a decision comes across your desk today. Do you crunch that decision in a certain way? Is there a process that you follow? What What would you say to the listener? Um, are you talking like an opportunity to to do something else or? Yeah, anything. Yeah, great question. I get people hit me up all the time that are like, hey man, look at this deal. Hey man, look at that deal. Even people that I know, right? And I'm like, I kind of ask, I'll ask a couple questions. Sometimes I'll even ask questions around. If it's someone I don't know, if I'm really busy, I'm like, sure. I'll tell my assistant or whoever, just be like, I, I can't take anything else on right now. Whereas before I would be like, I'll figure out time to look at it. Yes. FOMO, I did not want to miss an opportunity. Now it's like, I've got enough opportunities on my plate that I'm going to concentrate on those. Something comes across that it's like intriguing. I'll look at potentially, but even like with my sister, she'll send me, she'll send me stuff and she's like, I need your decision on this. And if I'm too busy, I'm like, I trust you make the decision. If she loses 10 grand because of that decision, Whatever. I the, the multiple times that I did that saved me many, many hours right. of being able to get my time back that I could create something else. Yep. And so I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty stringent with my time. If I give up my time, I know that it's got to be something that's going to provide something in return. I don't typically take those, I've got an opportunity for a meeting. I'm like, 
If you have an opportunity, send it over to me in one email where I can look at it in one minute and decide whether I want to have the conversation. And if they can't provide that to me, I don't take the call. I just don't. Because chances are they're going to be like, I have an idea. And it's like, put in writing. You don't have to have a full business plan. But if you can't put an email where I fully understand it and and get excited about it, then I I just don't want to touch it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a clear indicator. I, I get the same messages where I'm like, no, <laughs> actually, no, it's not. The, it's not that I think actually we both love those conversations because it's 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 conceptual and it's and it's inspiring. And it's like, oh, we could like really maybe do something here. But to your point, when you understand the value of time, you're like, OK, I can't I can't spend time doing that at the current moment. I've done plenty of that for all of us. Let's just let's just be honest here. Both of us probably have. But I want to go over to our speed round here, Tony. First question is around KPIs. And I want to know, you've got multiple businesses, different types of businesses too. If you can only pick one thing to track forever and ever, what would that be? Probably income. Okay. Off the top of my head, income. Okay. Why? Because nothing else, I mean, I don't want to say nothing else matters, but if you're if you're not able to bring money to the bottom line, then you can't live, you can't survive. and if your chances are, if you're making enough money, most other things are lining up for the most part. Yeah. Understood. Okay. What book or resource would you recommend to a business owner trying to grow in 2023? Book or resource. There's a book called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan. Been a part of his strategic coach before. It's a great book about leverage, finding people Instead of how to do it, it's who can you find that will help you do it or that you that they can do it, right? Okay. Yeah. Resource. I would say just in general masterminds. If you, if you want to get to the next level, join a mastermind. Find a group of people that are in your industry or just in general business that feel like they can get you to the next level. And uh, what's going to happen is you'll create relationships in, that, in those groups. You're going to get ideas from that group. You're going to get inspiration from that group. You're going to get connection from those groups. Yeah. So I definitely say just finding a mastermind to join. Yeah. And and of course, I'll give you a second here. I know you've got a mastermind. It's specifically for real estate agents. Give us just a half second here. If you've got a real estate guy listening right now, who who's this a good fit for and and tell them how they can how they can find you for that. Yeah, that's interesting because I, I started the mastermind five, six years ago and I was charging good money for it. And when I launched my my TV program, I decided to give all my clients my mastermind for free. So I give people a $20,000 mastermind basically for free for being a client. I mean, that's another, that's probably another, probably just quick value add is just over delivering. People hire me to do TV commercials for them, but I'm like, you know what? I love helping businesses and I know pretty much everybody who comes to me could use some kind of business help. I can use business help. Everybody can use it. And so I just wanted to really create a a bigger community around that. So, so yeah, it's, it's mainly right now for real estate investors, but we're kind of shifting it probably pretty soon now that we're servicing other industries for TV is we're going to make it a a general mastermind. And for those of you who haven't really joined a mastermind, a good mastermind is typically a combination of weekly, bi-weekly or monthly calls where you can consistently get on with people in the group and ask questions and learn from them and give value yourself. Yep. And then the other part of it is in-person meetings. And just to touch on that again, um, when you go into a mastermind, the, 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 I have a saying, the more you give, the more you get. Because yeah. when you give to the group, they're going to feel that, they're going to understand that, and the more they're going to want to give back to you. And that's the great thing about it. You get the right people in the room, they're just giving, 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 and you're getting back in return what you're giving. So it's a pretty cool community to 
to be a part of if you can if you can find one that you jive with. Yep, I love that perspective. You couldn't have defined how to successfully integrate yourself into one and get the most value out of it because I've been part of some and obviously I've had even clients in our Gathering the Kings mastermind that for a period of time, they don't realize that like, it does not that it takes work. It takes work. It's that it's just some intentionality around like the relationships, adding value, because if you just sign up for something to be able to just get teaching or kind of like just come and go. It, it just doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely. There's got to be reciprocity, re reciprocity for sure. Yeah. All right. So I got a question for you about family and uh, just the dynamic of entrepreneurs today. And, and I guess entrepreneurs are obsessed. I would say that you probably put yourself in that category. We've been successful because we're obsessed. How would you suggest, or maybe some examples that you've given uh, or that you've done over the years of where you can be obsessed about the business and family and kiddos, if you have them, that type of a thing. Like there's this interesting word that people like to use balance. And I'm just not a fan of the word balance. How do you go after both in a hard, obsessed way? Yeah, that's a great question. So for me, for me and my wife, we're, we're cut from a different cloth for sure. I mean, we're like, I'm very business and analytical. Sure. She's doesn't like business and she's very emotionally driven, right? Sure. And so for her, it's like, it's, why don't you just take off at two o'clock every day and come home? And it's like, okay, I could, if I wanted to, but I'm, I'm just, I'm not I, like, I, I want to do some big things. Right. So I, I still want to put my time in. And so I would work some nights, I would work some weekends. And finally I made a rule and she pushed me towards this and, and, and it's a good one. I'm home at 5 PM every single day. That doesn't always mean I'm turned off. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come home and I'm probably not going to be present with my family. That happens. But what it does is it'll, it, it, it gives me that timeline of like, okay, I'm going to try and shut this off at 5 p.m. Yeah. At least spend time with the family. Again, it's not perfect. I'm, there's some times where I'm solving problems in my head. So That's for right. those of you who are freaking out going, I, there's no way I can stop at 5 o'clock. And there's times where at eight o'clock, I'll be like, hey, sweetie, I've got 15 minutes worth of planning or emails or something like that. I just need to knock out. So I, I do a little bit in the evening sometimes. Yeah. And then weekends, I used to just free float the weekends and just jump into my emails, go do something, then jump into my emails and go do something fun. And it was just like, I never really got a lot of time just dedicated off to that I, I could just decompress. Yeah. So now I take weekends off. Every once in a while, I'll jump in for an hour and just be like, I'm just going to clear out a ton of emails. That's right. So I would suggest if you're the personality that are like, I can't take off two full days, which I've done many masterminds and I've asked that question, who here takes two full days off, doesn't touch email, doesn't, there's almost nobody ever that raises their hand. There's always like someone's checking their text messages or emails. And trust me, I've been there before, but I recommend if you're going to work weekends at all, just time block a small amount of time to work. Because what happens is just like I said, if you're like, I'm going to get some work done on the weekend and you don't plan it, yeah. you're going to start your emails and then your wife's going to ask you to do something. And then you're going to want to go back into your emails and it's just, you're never disconnected. So if I ever work, it's like, okay, at 10 to 11, I'm just going to knock as many emails out as possible, get it done. And that way, at least I feel a little bit accomplished on the weekend if I feel like I need to work. But actually after time, you figure out how to mentally kind of unwind and and not worry about weekends. Now now I look forward to weekends. I used to hate weekends because I, I I felt like nobody else was working and I was. But now it's kind of the other way around, where it's like I feel like I'm not working much, but I see a lot of other people working weekends. So so yeah, 
That's always perspective. Well, those are those are really, really practical things. That I think that every entrepreneur deals with very similar story. My my wife has pushed me into a lot of those same very, 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 very similar things. So the reality of it is, is that that's good. Like the, the, the stallion needs reins. Okay, fine. Like as long as we understand that, that I'm going to push hard always, <laughs> it's okay to get the tug sometimes and, and realize that, Hey, now's the, now's the time to be obsessed over here. And I can take that same energy and just do it over here, building my children, building, building your marriage and you know, all those fun things. Yeah. I got one yep. last question here for you, Tony. You ready? Yep. Let's do it. If you could whisper, in the younger Tony's ear, what would you say? Now, honestly, when people when he, people ask me that question, what would I basically kind of like? What would I do differently? Maybe starting out or back in the day, uh, one would be get support. So coaching, masterminds, a meetup group, Some. mentor, something where you can bounce ideas off of somebody, not feel like you're alone. Because that's what I did the first ten years of my business. And then, honestly, like I said, TV commercials. I wish I would have done those. Sooner, um, a lot of people think their business isn't big enough. A lot of people think it's it's way more money than it is. And it's something that has changed my career. And it's unbelievable the amount of fulfillment I get when people will message me and be like, dude, the first 30 days, X, Y, and Z happened. I had so-and-so reach out to me that whatever. I Actually, we just got one yesterday. Someone their first week got 18 leads two contracts and was giving us some data behind like their first week on TV. And it's like, dude, you hopefully have years, if not decades of TV left in you. And so that's, that's why I love doing what I, what I do now is because not only is it great for our business, because yeah. it's an easy sell and a no brainer for a lot of people, but it just creates some really good results for other people. And that's, that's why I had started the mastermind because I saw, I saw the first mastermind I went to was seven years ago. And it blew my mind. Like there are people that are actually coming in and sharing everything they're doing and they're doing this high level. Like I thought I was the big dog in my market doing like 50 flips a year. And I'm like, right. that guy's doing a hundred. That guy's doing a thousand transactions a year. Yeah. Like it just levels up your game. So yeah, it's th those are the two things that I'd recommend going back. And, and actually th that, that was from a business perspective. From a personal perspective, going back to like a young me, yeah, I would be. I would probably say it's all going to work out. Always works out, no matter what happens. Doesn't matter how bad a day you have, how bad a year you have. Things happen. I even just four years ago, like I thought my flipping business was going to kind of cave because we just had a ton of competition come in in our market, and we took a dip for a little while, and it was scary. We had to let a bunch of people go. Yeah. And I thought I thought I was going to go back to the same position I was in, you know, ten years ago, where I'd fire everybody, and right. and it was it was a lull for about six to twelve months, and we figured out how to get skinny. We let some people go. We, you know, did some smarter moves, and we're back back to where we were before. But it, it all works out, no matter what. It just all works out. I love that, Tony. You've been incredible. You you gave just a little bit of information earlier how we can find you, but. How can the listener, number one, if they want to be part of, or I guess if they want to hire you to get on TV, which then also might give them access to your mastermind, but, or if they just, just a business owner, they want to reach out to you, not, not to share an idea because <laughs> we already established, don't do that. But if they wanted to reach out to you strategically to be able to collaborate with you, how can they do that? Yeah. So if you're looking for TV, I would go to 10xtv.co, not .com, but .co, 10xtv.co. If you want to check out some of the other stuff I'm doing, and I, don't, I think there's a way to 
maybe message me there. You can go to my website, tonyhavier.com. My assistant will heavily screen. No, I'm just kidding. Good. No, kidding, but not kidding. Now reach out to me. I mean, if, if, it, if it seems like a good fit for us to, to talk about and collaborate on something, my, my assistant will pass it on to me. But Look I do here, like I got him on the show, so he's not that hard to get a hold of. I'm just kidding. What's that? I said, I got you here on the show, so. Yeah, yeah. After, I mean, you paid me a lot of money, you know? but uh, now, yeah, yeah. Go, go check my stuff out. If you want to reach out to me, if, if, it, if it feels right, I'll respond and uh, we can do some business together. But yeah, I love, I love relationships. So if it's, if it's something, again, I, I think, I think the biggest thing is you can tell when someone's just trying to get something from you and they don't really, it's like, yep. they don't really care to give back. So anytime you reach out to someone, try and figure out how to make it a win-win for them rather than just trying to trying to get something from them. That's right. That's right. It's good. It's good coaching there for the, for the listeners. So Tony, we just appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. Uh, you gave selflessly. And for that, I am appreciative, even on behalf of my audience. So thank you again. Blessings on your family, your businesses, all that you're doing in 2023, all the entrepreneurs and business owners and investors that you're touching and bringing value to. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me on, man. Thanks for doing what you do too. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1,000 kings, specifically who are grateful but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family, and communities. And here's what we believe, that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.